podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Ashes Daily Podcast and what has been emphatically England's day at the Keir Oval. They finished the day leading Australia by 377 runs with pretty much everyone contributing with the bat. I'm Katia Whitney and I'm here with Phil Walker. Huge news breaking at the end of play. Stuart Broad has announced that he will retire from Test cricket at the end of this Test match. He walked off the field and told Sky that he decided at 8.30pm last night that this Test match will be his last. Phil, what was your reaction to, to that bit of news? A uh, little bit shocked. I think most people were. I think... Ben Stokes was as well when Broad told him uh, this morning. Uh, in fact, no, last night he told the team this morning. Uh, but he's always had a sense of theatre and so much of that has driven the story. Uh, and so the more we try and digest it, the more it makes perfect sense. He's synonymous with the Ashes. He's played every test match at home in the Ashes contest since his debut in 2009. So that's 25 consecutive tests. Uh, he is part of the folklore of the thing, as is his dad. Uh, it makes poetic sense for him, right? To, to say, now's the time. And also the, the timing of the announcement as well, as we move into the final stretch of this series and this particular game, is if, there, if, if we needed any further motivation to convince ourselves that we are in for uh, a fabulous and memorable finale to what's been the most extraordinary series that we've seen in England in many, many years, then he's just provided it, hasn't he? Yeah. As ever, Broad is always one step ahead of us all. And now he's given that final little sprinkling of flavour and intrigue uh, as we move into down the stretch, yeah, box office from from start to finish. Do you how, ever, how did you feel? Um, I, I, the more I've thought about it, the more, like you said, it's made sense. Um, yeah, but as I said, box office from first to last. I think there's there's quite a lot actually. There's sadness that a contest that has brought out so much of the best in him and so many incredible moments um, that this will be the last time we see him do that, um, and that this will be the last time we can dissect another bonkers piece of thing some anything from Stuart Broad that will be <laughs> that that will be missed um do you yeah. have a favorite memory from Stuart Broad Phil? oh there's there is plenty there is plenty but again just before we get on to that it, this is the oval and it's it's the self-styled home of the teary farewell right it's it even badges itself as the final test that's how it markets itself it's taken 285 test cricketers uh, this is the final game for 285 male test cricketers, of which 117 are English and 67 are Australian, by the way. Make that 118, make that 286 and perhaps more. We can always come to that as well in a moment. But, but Broad has, has gazumped any, any talk about Moeen Ali's finale and, you know, whisper it over to Jimmy, although we know how he's going to go. He's yeah. not going to retire anytime soon. A fair play to him. Uh, Favourite memories... Oh, well, the April 15th is, is the cliche, but I, I was lucky I happened to be there. And for once in my life, I got up really early and headed up to Nottingham from London really early. So I was there before anybody began. And I remember there being a sort of a, a special murmur in the air. The series was on the, on the line at fourth test match. England hadn't fancied themselves in that summer under Cook 
Australia were probably a more complete side at the time. Uh, and as we know, well, we know what happened. Broad nicked every everybody off. Stokes took that one in the grabbers. Uh, it, the, the Edvard Munch face emerged from Broad, which has been patented since, like many other things. You know, he created the celeb appeal. You can take that or leave that, of course. Uh, but that sense of raising his, raising his game for the big moments. I remember he gave an interview at Brisbane in whatever it would have been, 2013, I think it was. Uh, yeah, 2013. And he took six for on day one after the Brisbane Courier Mail had gone after him. They'd called him the English medium pacer because he'd famously not walked that time. Um, took six for on day one, walked into the press conference with the newspaper under his arm paraded it around to everybody and then he said something very interesting afterwards he said we did some psychological tests as in the england squad did some psychological tests before that series and three of the england players came out uh as the kind of characters according to this metric that would be that would grow in the pressure cooker and broad being broad announced that to the whole room simultaneously plumping himself up declaring that he was up for the scrap, but also rather awkwardly putting the rest of his team rather in the shade. And, you know, we all know what happened that, that, that winter. But, but the, story, the, the moral of that tale is that Broad, like the, all the great sports people, gets bigger when the, when, when the pressure is on. And most mortals, they fade away, they, they diminish. With Broad, he's always gone the other way. And you, what st stands out for you? Uh, well, I think... I think you can you can give a lot about Broad by thinking that. Um, let me try that again. Um, I think the biggest compliment you can give him is that the longer you, I've thought about it, the more spells I've thought are my favourite. Um, so I initially thought like yeah, the, the Trent Bridge, the eight for fifteen, and then I thought, oh no, what about Durham twenty thirty? Right. What about his spell up there? And then I thought, oh no, what about two thousand and nine when he was here? What about that hat trick against India? What about all of these incredible spells that you can almost plot your where you were at in your life alongside these these Stuart Broad magnificent spells, um, and that kind of says a lot about what he's meant for England fans over the years, I guess. But but that 2009 one, the more I've thought about it, stands out for me. Like yeah. one Australian wicket falling after the other to this young kid, you know, with a mop of blonde hair who shouldn't look like a cricketer at all, um, <laughs> and he comes and he wins England the, the Ashes here in the most dramatic of ways. And, and that's something Stuart brought up. He's been the same ever since. He hasn't changed. Yeah, and he's, he's grown into the, the persona as well. Um, I think we all know what, what lies ahead for him. Um, he'll be on your TV screens for here, from here on in. And so he should, because he's a very astute and articulate reader of the game. He's a natural in front of the camera as well. And the other thing with Broad that we forget, he's a real cricket Sado. He's a, he's, a, he's a badger, he's a geek, he's a nuffy, he's got it bad. He's obsessed with the game and he said so this summer that he's enjoying it just as much as ever, that he's as, he's as engaged as he's ever been. Um, and so the, the broad story on the pitch is done, but, but Broad's contribution to the game and to the colour and the vibrancy of it will continue. Look, fair play to him. He, he's been, he's just been compulsively watchable, whatever he's doing. Uh, and to have played all five this summer as well, and to have played against Ireland, so to, to have played six games in seven, seven weeks or so, and to have grown into his work as he's gone, is a mark of his competitive instincts. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure there'll be an outpouring of love here for him tomorrow, Monday, whenever it is that he bowls. But not so much in the press box, by the way. No, I mean, Didn't go down there's well. one or two 
hearts that sank with the news as people were just pressing send on their copy and then oh here we go here we go it's a great place to be when that happens yeah um anyway we could talk about broad for hours and i'm sure we will um from endings to beginnings though i want to talk a bit about zach crawley today right Um, he was brilliant today and it caps off a brilliant series from him um i want to read out some some stats first of all um he scored 480 runs in this series the next leading run scorer is Usman Khawaja with 424. He's faced 96 overs worth of deliveries more than Crawley in his this series for those runs. 480 is more runs than Andrew Strauss or Alistair Cook made in any home series for England. And it's the most by an England opener in a home Ashes series this century. What a vindication of the backing of Zach Crawley before this series. That is exactly the word for it. Um, he began the series in iconic fashion, clattering that ball through the covers, and he began day three here in exactly the same fashion. That 70, what was it, 73, 74, Mm. um, curtailed soon after lunch, but that's all priced in. That 70-odd was the complete Zach Crawley knock. The 189, unforgettable as it was, littered with astonishing pieces of stroke play. Nonetheless, it was streaky, right? For the first... 70-odd runs. He could have been out three or four times. Uh, Today was the Crawley of your dreams because it was measured, it was controlled, but it was done with absolute authority. I spoke to Ollie Robinson about him a few days ago and he said, as a a seam bowler, he is as hard a player as as you can bowl to in the game because your margin for error is minuscule. And as we've been saying for what feels like two or three years, if he could just develop a little bit more nuance outside of off stump and a tiny bit better judgment by just a few percent not to try and you know take a take us an outswinger through extra cover off the stickers sometimes you can just let it go by sometimes you can play it quietly under your eyes you saw that today it was absolutely masterful. And also, in his slipstream, Ben Duckett as well, just a couple of 40s in the game, but both run a ball 40s. Uh, England have found... They're an odd couple, right? They're, you know, little and large and all the rest of it, but they work. They are nerveless. They have their own ways of doing it. And it must be nightmarish for a seam attack because you have one who's crouchy and small, hits it in funny areas. Uh and then you have another who will pull you in front of square if you drop it a yard short and he'll drive you on the up if you're, if you're a tiny bit too full. Mm. You're, they're always going to give you a chance. But of all the stories around the Stokes experiment this summer, the, the one that's been nailed beyond question is the opening berth. And that has been a problem for England for years and years and years. There's a weird irony to it, right? That we assumed that English openers had it down. They had the, the way to do it. There was one way of doing it in England. Play it late, play it under your eyes. Usman Khawaja said, come, come to England and open the batting. You, you're going to go nowhere. Low expectations was literally his quote on the build, in the build-up to this series. Well, turns out that we've been wrong all along. We've been wrong for centuries. And they've pulled it off. Yeah, completely. And I think you can look at Zach Crawley's evolution through this series, and you could see that evolution reflected in England's batting today. They finished the day nine down, and they scored a five and over there or thereabouts for most of the day didn't look massively troubled um and it was almost like nothing was going to stop them really it was quite a weird day to watch that they were scoring so quickly yet they weren't taking exceptional 
risks when doing so. What did what did you make of it? Uh, I found the the post tea session of about forty five minutes to an hour when Root was in uh, with Bearstow. I found it peculiar from an Australian perspective. It was wasn't like they were on the ropes. It was like they were on the the stall and they mm. had the cutsmen cutsmen behind him. And the towel was about to be thrown in and it felt like, not that they'd given up because they're a proud cricket team, of course they are, but that they'd run out of ideas and run out of nervous energy and run out of belief. And I think when you keep getting slapped around the face, eventually you're going to go down. And that's what it felt like. But because they are such a good cricket team, they found the way again. Now, the, 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 the clutch moment of the day was probably the Joe Root dismissal, right? Because... What did he get? 91, 91. A bit Grubber. We can come to the pitch in a minute, by the way. But that changed the tempo and the complexion of the evening session. And then I thought Australia did actually did really well for the last hour and a half to control England. But Todd Murphy bowled well mm. across the board, really. You know, there's some real ticker there. But I think overall, this was, this was the most complete batting performance that, that they've put together. It sounds silly to say it when they made, what, 580, 90 at Old Trafford. But that was on the back of a, mm. of a worldie and a and a streaky worldie from from Crawley. This was, this was a like the whole lot of them. Mm. They all came at you. Harry Brook was the only one to miss out. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird when you can say that the best thing about today was that it wasn't exceptional, right? Yeah, um, right, exactly. But exactly that. And if they can find that kind of balance, then they're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, exactly. And just a bit, bit more on Australia. Um, like you said, they did seem to hit a wall today. And look, they're going to go home with the urn, and that's. That's a great indictment on what they've achieved as a cricket team. They'll go home with the World Test Championship, but it's worth saying they've been here a long time now and it's a long old slog. And it does maybe feel like this Test match was was maybe one too far for them. Um, but having said that, as you said about the pitch, they are still just about in it, right? Are they? Yeah, look, to carry on the, the, the boring old analogy, they do have a puncher's chance. They're, they're down, they're knackered, they've been on the ropes, they've been hanging on to the heavy bag swaying like hanging on to a to a barrel in a shipwreck for the last two weeks it feels nonetheless if they get going tomorrow if they can put a platform down and steve smith turns in one of his masterpieces then they they have an outside chance here for sure um we've seen the oval for the last two or three years teams bowl first there's a little bit of live grass on the pitch and then it flattens out it's pretty docile by day four I take take us back to the, say the Surrey Hampshire game earlier in the season, first home game I think it was, and Surrey did it for two, took chase down two seventy odd for two. Easiest time to bat in the game was on day four. Um, that said, what you saw at the back end there with Todd Murphy is that a couple broke through the surface, kicked off a length. The LBW that was turned down off um, against Wokes I think it was, went through the surface you know puffs of dust kicking up so so that will be concerning for them i guess the caveat to that is will moin ali turn up tomorrow will he be able to play i suspect that come 11 o'clock tomorrow morning you'll see him on the pitch that's my suspicion might be totally wrong um but if it's not mo then then joe root will, will bowl a few Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes, Stokes has been practicing his offies before the start of play every day of this test match. Every and I'm waiting morning. and I'm ready to see Ben Stokes as the off spinner in test cricket. Yeah. And then, of course, coming back to where we began, we'll have the crowd behind the, the broad farewell party. Right. Mm. So so tomorrow is huge uh, 
for Australia. I felt today was a big day for them, but I don't, just don't, don't think they had anything left in the field. But the batting's a different story. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Warner tomorrow. I've really warmed to him in recent years. He's a fascinating c cricketer to talk about. Um, and you see him wrestling with himself for months, right? And you saw it here again early on in this game. You saw it at the start of the summer in the, in the India game. And look, if he gets 70-odd tomorrow, this crowd will be with him. Trust me, they will be with him and they will rise as one if he goes well tomorrow. Uh, it, it looms immensely large for Australia and, and large as well for England, but for, uh, particularly for Australia, because if they can pull this off, if they can get away with this, and if they can haul in 380-odd, whatever they're going to end up chasing, then it will be the most spectacular heist. No, heist is harsh because that sounds sort of slightly pejorative. I don't mean that. It will be a spectacular uh, achievement. Mm. Simple as that. Yeah, really. completely. It'll be the highest chase ever here, I believe, um, in right. a test match. Right. Um, but we will find out tomorrow for what could be a day of endings. So, so cheers, Phil. You can tune back in tomorrow to hear us dissect everything that happens tomorrow, and it promises to be an absolute corker. Podcast Network.